You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and today we have a fantastic episode in store for you. On today's episode, we will be diving back into Major League Baseball to cover a variety of topics. From the future of Xander Bogarts to the potential fall of Garrett Cole, we will be discussing it all and so much more. However, before we get this show started, I would like to welcome in a special guest to discuss today's news. He, of course, carries a reputation few can beat, as over the past 10 years, he has taken his love for the game to the next level. Starting out as an 11-year-old bat boy from New Jersey, he quickly began making baseball content and has since amassed an incredible following. He has appeared on the S Network for Hot Stove segments, conducted interviews with, with numerous major leaguers, and even hosts a podcast of his own with MLB veteran Taylor Motter. This summer, you can catch him back where it all started as he will be working once again for the New Jersey Jackals organization, the very team that gave him his start. So without any further ado, please welcome back to Down to the Wire, Billy Pinckney. Billy, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm ready to get going. Absolutely, man. I am so glad to have you back on the show. Uh, obviously, we did an interview uh, you know, last fall kind of talking about your growth as a content creator. Also talked some baseball news as well as we were kind of in the heat of the MLB postseason. So, uh, you know, we are finally back at a brand new season this year. Uh, opening day has come and gone. And, uh, you know, we're starting to finally see some new some new headlines across this season. And I'm really excited to talk about it with you today. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah. So obviously I kind of mentioned things with uh, Xander Bogarts, Garrett Cole, and those guys. We'll get into that in just a second, but there was a topic that you brought up to me, which I hadn't given much thought of. Uh, I kind of just, you know, kind of went over my head, but looking more into it, it is something that I think uh, a lot of baseball fans uh, will take, uh, you know, notice of. And it's the, it's the implementation of this new pitch comm software, which uh, for any of you guys who don't know is basically a wristband that catchers wear, uh, which is a, it's just, uh, let me just make it easier. Or, uh, NBC five Chicago basically says Pitchcom is baseball's newest gadget, allowing catchers to communicate with pitchers more seamlessly and covertly than ever before. This is considered to be a major step in the fight to prevent science stealing. Again, NBC five Chicago kind of sums it up best there. So basically this is an anti-science stealing wristband that catchers wear signals to the pitcher instead of having to put the fingers down, basically say, and signaling pitches that way. Uh, and, you know, the pitcher basically gets a reading in their headset or in, in their hat and basically relays to them what pitch to throw. Uh, I mean, basically, the robots have taken over in baseball now, Billy. Uh, it's a major step in for Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm kind of wondering, is like, how do you feel about this new technology? You know, it's a really interesting situation. And I'm somebody who always likes to be have some middle ground, have the, a bit of old school and new school of a mentality to things and, and treat it like that. So when I look at this, I, I, I like what they're doing. They're trying to prevent sign stealing and all the previous scandals that have occurred uh, throughout baseball in the past few years. Um, but I'm trying to figure out if this is truly a device that will work in all types of conditions yeah. In a major league baseball stadium, we've already seen games this year in April where the pitchers cannot hear what buttons the catcher is putting into the system because it's just too loud. And if it's getting loud in the seventh inning of a, of a game in April, imagine what it's going to be like in the postseason. 
Yeah, no, not in October. <laughs> if it's allowed in April, October, you're you're just gonna have to chuck that wristband out at that point. It's gonna be completely useless by that point if it's exactly if what we're dealing with. I mean, I I can understand the implementation of technology, and obviously right. uh, the Astros are complete scumbags for the what they did in the uh, 2017 postseason. Uh, obviously, uh, completely uh, complete fraudulent championship on their end. But listen, I think that it, you know it's an interesting way to you know put technology into the game, but. I don't know. Here's the thing. What the Astros did with sign stealing, they used technology and they and they kind of just like completely changed the game with sign stealing. You know, obviously people have been stealing signs for as long as baseball has been played. I mean, the shot heard the shot heard around the world was was uh, basically, uh, you know, accomplished due to sign stealing. There were a series of lights and telescopes used to read the sign from the catcher that led to that famous home run. So, I mean, it's gone back as far as the 1950s. So uh, it's not, you know, the first time that we've ever seen something like this. Uh, but I think it's, you know, just how blatant and, you know, how nefarious the technology was used to what kind of really, I think, threw a lot of people off and made some people angry. I know for myself, that's kind of just where I drew the line where I was like, okay, if you're on second base and you're, and you can just lean in and just tell what, what, what pitch the, what pitch the guy is going to throw. And at that point, it should almost be like your obligation to inform the batter, Hey, he's throwing a curveball here. I mean, I don't think that I'm not like, up for stealing signs and but at the same time if you have a catcher behind home plate and just you on second base visibly can see the guy then in in my opinion you should just be able to go okay like he's gonna throw a fastball here like if he's not gonna hide it better then i'm going to expose him for it because we need that edge so i'm i'm fine for taking that edge if it's there but when you're using technology and you know guys outside the field of play to get that edge that's where i kind of draw the line right and this is something to where MLB fans sometimes I feel think that they don't want technology on the field at all. Mm-hmm. So that's something even former players are arguing about and aren't happy about that technology is allowed in the dugouts on the field, you know, see the iPads and all the, the usage like that. So that's a debate. Should there be technology usage on the field with these devices? Will there be other types of devices that come about in the future? Will that have an impact on anything? So, I mean, me personally, I think that this is, I think this is as far as it should go in terms of technology on the field with this. I just don't know if it will end up working as well as they would like it to in the stretch. So I'm interested to see what happens in October, if teams decide to do it, or if they switch to using their normal catcher puts down his signals behind the plate uh, and we'll see what happens there because there have been some games where pitchers get rattled because they're kind of in a different headspace because they're not hearing you see a role as Chapman who ended up walking in the run because he kind of got confused with his catcher because he couldn't hear so things like that could be happening more often and we'll see if some teams end up deciding to just do away with it and go back to the normal way of calling signs yeah, I I, th- I think we there's at least I think going to be kind of a feeling out process. I think uh, yeah. at least this season it's going to be kind of similar to like the way replay was introduced in MLB to where there was kind of like a feeling out process of saying, all right, do we do the replay here? Do we wait till later in the game to do it? And I think it's going to be something similar to that. Uh, you know, I I do kind I do find it crazy though how much uh, technology has really uh, you know f- found its way into the game just even in the dugouts. I mean, I remember. You know, obviously I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm going to remember this, but I think it was back right when Pablo Sandoval uh, signed with the Red Sox. And obviously that turned out to be a uh, less than ideal signing, to say the least, for the Red Sox. Uh, But I remember I think he got fined at one point during spring training because he was 
he was apparently on Instagram and like they've in the the way they found him on Instagram is that he is that during a spring training game he liked an Instagram model's post and they were able to trace it back to saying oh you liked that during game time you were you you were using technology we're going to find you and then I think less than I think literally a year later they had national snapchat day at the ballpark you know so oh. I mean they moved very quickly in you know getting technology in the game using social media different things like that to you know find their way into the ballpark so I think that it is, I, I think, you know, getting technology and, you know, having the iPads out, I don't see anything wrong with that. You see that on NFL sidelines where, you know, guys are drawn up where guys are looking at plays and seeing what went wrong. You know, you see, you know, one guy who I know does that religiously, uh, at least in MLB and looks at plays a ton is uh, JD Martinez. He's always down looking at film. I mean, he, he is looking at every single possible way to correct his swing. And, you know, I think for him, you know, just having that technological outlet is a great place uh, is, you know, just a great tool for him. And I think it's a great tool to use, but I don't know when it comes to the pitch com though, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird middle ground. So part of me is wondering with the implementation of pitch com, uh, it's, is it possible that, you know, the catcher position just as a whole is going to become, you know, less and less important because, you know, you know, traditionally catchers were known for, you know, having to call the game, having to, you know, you know, basically quarterback that team. And, you know, obviously the pitcher is responsible for throwing the pitch, but, you know, the catcher is, you know, putting down the signs, you know, basically deciding the game with, you know, you know, these catchers usually getting readings from the dugout at this point to them just using technology and not really having to hide signs that well. Uh, this was something that a buddy of mine talked about, but, uh, you know, Hey Kami uh, on TikTok, he's, uh, he's made some baseball content over there. He's mentioned to me before that, you know, with, you know, all this technology getting implemented in the game, the catcher position really isn't as valuable as it used to be. And, you know, maybe you, maybe you basically use the catcher position as almost like another DH position to where, you know, you just put a better hitter back there and, you know, you don't really worry about the defense at that point. It's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, they still got to execute the pitches, the pitchers, and the catchers still have to block the ball, obviously, and, and you know, receive it and frame. Framing is a big thing nowadays, too. A lot of uh, teams are looking at their catchers based on their ability to frame pitches and make them look like strikes and, and, and defense. But, I mean, yeah, that facet of the game where putting down uh, pitch you know, balls and, and seeing where they want located, some of that's taken away. But at the same time, they still have to produce defensively because guys aren't perfect. They're going to miss spots. Yeah. And they're going to have to do some type of, you know, job back there to to get the job done. I mean, I can I can understand the idea of blocking and how that would still be uh, utilized by catchers. But I think, uh, you know, depending on the way MLB wants to go with these uh, robot with these Mm -hmm. robot umpires, I mean, framing could basically become a you know an art of the past at least at the major league level to where you know you're it's going to be decided by doppler radar and you're just going to and you know it won't matter if you frame the pitch if it the basically the radar is going to pick up that it was a ball in it'll be called such anyways so i mean i'm wondering how that could affect it too yeah i was thinking that too and that'll also affect pitchers because you're not going to get that strike on the outside corner uh if if somebody is you know it's a little bit you know a little bit smaller and maybe not get that high strike call on a, on a breaking ball. So mm-hmm. that definitely will be an, an adjustment for both the pitcher and the catcher. And then the umpire, he's going to have to call those pitches that he doesn't really want to call a strike, a strike or a ball, because that's what the system's telling him to do. So mm-hmm. we'll see if that comes to the big leagues next year, uh, the year after, I don't know. 
There are talks. I know there are talks about it. I'm not the biggest fan of it because I under I, I kind of like the idea that if a guy's cons- here's the thing, if a guy's consistent, then I don't have an issue with it. It could be he could be calling something in a bad spot, but if he's if he's calling consistently and it's not too egregious, I don't really have too much of an issue with it. To yeah. where it, I mean, there's a point at everything, but I think if if a guy's consistent, then I can live with it. What's interesting about that though is you know you see a lot of these star pitchers, you, they usually get kind of the treatment that I think you know a lot of uh, NBA or NFL players get with uh, you know star players get with like penalties. I mean you know think of like think of a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo where he's going down to the rim. Uh, even in this past playoff game, he hadn't he had a no call on an over the back foul, and they gave it to uh, the opposing Bulls player to where you know he he was one foul away from fouling out of the game, right. and instead of giving it to him, they gave it to the other guy. That's that's essentially what these really good pitchers get with these you know pitches on the outside of the corner. You know, umpires yeah. a lot of the time will think, oh, this guy's gonna hit his spot, so I'm gonna give it to him, Bennett, you know, more times than not. By implementing these virtual strike zones, that's basically gonna take that advantage away, and it's you know. I mean, I'm fine with putting everyone on an equal playing field, but I just find it crazy that, you know, that could just go away like like that. I mean, it would be a big adjustment, I think, especially consecutive years where you have changes like this in the game. It's not an easy adjustment to make, and it's similar, in my opinion, to having spider tack removed in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that leads to a lot of issues and different people, not just injuries, but adjustments need to be made where ERAs are going up, same thing goes for the balls, the different types of balls that they use in the past, ones that were uh, flew out a little bit more easily out of the ballpark, some that uh, maybe weren't wound as tight. And these are things that you really need to settle in with uh, overall. I mean, I hope in the next few years, everything's where it needs to be and changes I mean, aren't made anymore. I mean, Billy, hold the phone. We'll, we'll be getting to spider attack and your guys yeah. in, in just a second. So don't, don't worry about, don't worry about spider attack. I'll be, I'll be getting to that in just a second. There we go. I can't wait. Uh, but no, obviously, you know, uh, pitch is very interesting and a uh, very interesting uh, thing coming to the MLB. Uh, I'm still trying to feel it out. I'm not too sure about it just yet, but uh, one thing that I'm really just not in for is uh, apparently starting in 2023, we're going to be, uh, you know, starting to look like soccer teams or, you know, at least your local Little League team because we're getting ads on jerseys next year. Uh, the San Diego Padres revealed that they'll be partnering with Motorola for the start of the 2023 season and will have patches that match their jersey. Now, listen, I actually don't mind the Motorola jersey on the Padres lo- on the Padres jersey. It actually looks kind of nice. They blended the logo nicely and it doesn't look you know, completely out of place, but at the same time, they're the Padres. When, you know, you talk about historic teams, Billy, like, like the Red Sox or the Yankees, you know, I don't know how I feel about just, you know, seeing a Dunkin' Donuts logo slapped on a Red Sox jersey or, you know, I mean, you know, even a, even for you, I don't know, like, I don't know, like for, for, for you, like just having like any kind of like odd logo slapped on a Yankees jersey, it just feels like, just feels wrong to see that. Yeah. I hated it when the Nike logo was put on the front of all the jerseys Mm. and, I mean, I guess be, but I don't like the idea of ads. I mean, it looks, you know, the Mexican league and those other, the Japanese league, they have ads on their helmets and then their, their jerseys and maybe pants, but uh, for the States and, and, and major league baseball, I'm saying here, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's something that you need. It's already a billion dollar industry. They're yeah. making so much money. I mean, that's, that's and, the thing too, like the Mexican league and the Japanese league, I understand it. Cause like, you know, I'm not saying they're strapped for cash, but like they need kind of every little incentive to kind of help themselves move along. 
the MLB, like I think racked, you know, raked in like, you know, three plus billion dollars last year. Like they're a multi-billion dollar organization. They are making like unbelievable amounts of money, which, you know, a ton of people can't really believe. A lot of people think, you know, baseball is the dying sport, doesn't have, you know, any chance of like living on, but you know, we're still general, we're still, you know, creating more and more revenue for ourselves each year. So I'm just like, it, like, why do we need to look like our, why do we need to look like we're a little league team out here? You know, when we were going out and we had like the brands on the back of the shirts and right. it, it, it was just, it was like, Oh, you know, the Sutton police department is sponsoring, is sponsoring the, is sponsoring the Sutton blue team this year. So go, go blue. And, you know, or uh, I think I was on the Red Sox and we were literally sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. That's why I literally uh, remembered yeah. that. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know why we need to keep doing this. I mean, it's I it doesn't look great with the with the NBA. I mean, some jerseys pull it off better than others. I mean, when the Celtics, I think, did General Elect, General Electric, uh, like the logo kind of like looked nice. It blended in like fine with the jersey. But now I think we're sponsored by like Vistaprint, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like it just doesn't like some 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 jerseys are are almost able to hide it, and make more make it look more subtle, but. You know, m- most other jerseys, it literally just looks like you're slapping something on the jersey. And I mean, just to be right. frank, I'm not I'm not a big soccer fan, but I see like these historic soccer teams and I see them with like, you know, with with like Jeep or Chevrolet logos across the front of it. And I'm just like, like, that just looks so tacky and like it just looks awful. Yeah. Well, the one thing you mentioned, too, was how the Padres jersey it looked nice because the Motorola logo was the same color. It kind of blended in nicely. Yeah, I, I like you said too. I, I just can't see that on a what's Yankee gonna, jersey. Yeah, or what's gonna blend Cubs in with or, pinstripes? <laughs> yeah, I just don't see it. And I wonder if the teams are up to are up to choosing whether that is the case or if it's majorly baseball coming from them. Hey, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna do. You're gonna do. I don't know. I mean, so I from what I can tell, I think it's more of a trend kind of thing to where other teams start to get on it. Major League Baseball might push it. But I know, you know, when it started in the NBA, like certain teams took a while to, you know, I don't know if they were in the process of searching for a sponsor, but I remember, you know, the, I think the Thunder were the last team to put an ad on their jerseys and they did it like mid season. So like, I don't know if it's going to be kind of something like that to where teams are going to have to look for an ad or look for people yeah, to yeah. You know, pay for that, but it's going to be kind of something like that. So, I mean, I've just never really liked the idea of it. It's, I mean, it just, I mean, again, it, you know, how much more money does baseball really need? In my yeah. opinion, if you want to like take out more advertising space, just put a bigger billboard in the park. Like people will pay more attention to that than, you know, having something on a Jersey for me, when I see ads on jerseys and I, you know, I, I think a lot of these companies think, Oh, if like they see our ad then on this, on the Red Sox Jersey, then they'll want to spend money with us. No, I have like the opposite effect to where, Oh, you're, Oh, you slapped your logo all over my favorite team. Screw you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I'd rather definitely see more billboards than uh, ads on a jersey, but I really don't see if it's up to the teams. I don't see some of the historic teams choosing that, especially teams that have a lot of money, like the big market teams, Yankees, Dodgers, any of those other places. But maybe the teams like the Reds, the Rays, any of them, maybe they will decide to go with the ads. Yeah. It, it, it's just a matter though, of like how much money is this really going to save them? Like, like how yeah. much money are they really going to be making off? Like, you know, put it like slap and some patch on their Jersey. Like right. you're going to get like $50,000. Are you going to get like a million? Like how much are we really talking here for this? Like, yeah. like how great is this revenue deal that you have to slap a Motorola Jersey, Motorola logo on your Jersey? Like that, that, that's the only thing for me. Right. Maybe they'll save a player's salary. Maybe, maybe get the, maybe a million dollars. Maybe get, 
cover a player and a half on a minimum salary. I mean, man, <laughs> no. it, 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 it's possible, but I really couldn't tell you, man. It's, it's ridiculous, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I would like to say, hopefully this doesn't happen, but it's going to happen. So, I mean, like just, you know, hopefully the Red Sox just don't get a terrible freaking ad on their Jersey. Hopefully yeah. it's something that like looks decent. Maybe they get the Sitco logo on their Jersey. Cause they got the sign in left field. So maybe they get something like that, but right. I, I don't know, man, we're gonna have to see what happens there, but uh, kind of getting into some actual uh, on the field news and some, you know, news with players right now. Uh, you know, I can't, before we get into stuff with the Yankees, I want to, you know, I want to do my market some, uh, some justice and talk some Red Sox news. And it's at least right now, I want to just say uh, when it comes to the Red Sox right now, I'm not too sure what they're going to be doing uh, come next, come next year in free agency. Cause uh, Xander Bogarts obviously has been the shortstop of the Red Sox for the past 10 years uh, came up in 2013. So nine, but call it what you want. And he's been, you know, absolutely amazing since he's been here uh, was basically the first was basically the first real shortstop that we had had on our team since Nomar left and has been an amazing player just in that position for us ever since he's been here, his contract is coming up. And, you know, obviously we went out and we signed Trevor story to play second base and, you know, so far this season, he's kind of, you know, had, it's kind of been an adjustment period for him through eight games so far. He's only hit 233. So, uh, you know, hasn't been too hot so far, but you know what, I'm going to give him plenty of time to uh, get things started. But one of the things I'm wondering is uh, during a spring training conference uh, interview this year, he basically had a slip up and, and said, yep, I'm excited to come to this Red Sox team, excited to play second base this year. And, you know, people have been taking that clip of him saying this year and have basically, basically, you know, taken that to mean that Xander Bogarts is out the door already. And what I'm wondering is, do you think with his slow start that, you know, the Red Sox might be thinking about, you know, getting Xander Bogarts a better offer at this point? Yeah, this is a really interesting situation. I mean, it, uh, I would love to – well, I'm a Yankee fan. But if I were a Red Sox fan, I would like to see him stay, obviously, and and keep Story at second with the start he's having. I mean, he's oh had, he's been in an interesting spot here. What, didn't he get hit? Did he get – Yeah, he got hit square in the face. Oh, my God. It was yeah, – like, I mean, luckily I – mean, I, I mean, I actually, I think the chin strap on the helmet like kind of like avoided it, but like it was bad. Right, right. Well, yeah, I would definitely bro. give him time, too, to get acclimated to – the Boston, but that's definitely an insurance option right there for shortstop. So yeah. if you're a Red Sox fan, you got to think, man, this is, this could be it. And we're just going to, if, if the Red Sox offers uh, Bogarts a deal and he doesn't accept it and say, oh, well, we, we have story now and we're going to just shift him right back to his old spot. And we'll see about second base because I'm sure the Red Sox they got some prospects coming up, right? Jeter yeah, we, Downs is yeah, Downs is coming up, but we have some other uh, we we got some other Casas, guys. Right? Yeah, Casas will be interesting to see at first. Uh, he's an interesting guy as well. Uh, uh, we got Marcelo Mayer who we drafted last year with the yes. pick, so uh, he he probably won't be around for maybe I'd say three years at this point. He's still a little ways out. I mean, I think he's only 18, 19 years old, so he's right. a kid at this point. Uh, but you know, he he looks like a like a very promising prospect, but uh, you know, when I see the, when I see the situation with Bogarts, I, I, I guess I, uh, so during the St. Patrick's day parade in Boston, uh, when Trevor story signed, I, uh, called into my friend's podcast, uh, quite intoxicated, uh, and ended up explaining that I was happy with the Trevor story signing that because it basically meant that, uh, you know, Boston's at least trying to do something to replace Bogarts. And I wouldn't be disappointed if he left. I didn't necessarily mean that what I basically was trying to reiterate is that, you know, I, I'm glad that Boston understands the need at, at shortstop and is at, and is at least getting someone of quality, but 
Xander Bogarts is our shortstop, and he yeah. is the captain of this team right now. He needs to be on this roster next year because the team respects him. And when we lost Mookie Betts in free agency, or not not free agency, when he got traded to the Dodgers, that took that was a giant rift across our team. And it took us a while to, you know, kind of reestablish some things and you know, I think get, get some trust back within that organization. We got Cora back, and I think that helped uh fix the chemistry a lot, but you know, that kind of soured a lot of things within the Red Sox uh for a while. So I think getting, I, I think we definitely need to get Bogarts back on back on the team now. I mean, he's having an incredible start to the season so far. He's hitting 354, having an awesome uh, year so far. So, uh, story, I'll give him more time. I think that there is kind of the course field hangover effect to where he, you know, obviously course field, you hit that ball, it's going to travel a mile. So, uh, you definitely, I'm going to give him some more time to get to get acclimated. I'm not going to call him the next Carl Crawford yet, anything of that sort. But uh, I want to definitely, uh, I want to see some improvement out of him and I want to, you know, see a new deal for Bogarts as well. Yeah. I mean, do you see any similarities between the Mookie bet situation and the Xander Bogart situation? Oh, a hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind that see that I see a similarity. I mean, yeah. the Red Sox throughout the entire year, I think they offered Bogarts a deal of like five years, a hundred million, uh, you know, right after I think he, right after the year he should have won MVP, but Trout robbed him and he turned that deal down. And then, uh, the Red Sox had it had an offer prepared for him, and he was. I think Mookie was going to take somewhat of a hometown discount, nothing too crazy. And the Red Sox just weren't going to budge on the offer they had, and completely just you know screwed him out the door. I see this same thing happening with Bogarts right now, and I'm just surprised that the I'm surprised we're going to let history possibly repeat itself. I mean, I understood that Heim Bloom came in and we hired him basically, and his first job was to trade Mookie bets. I'm not so I'm not going to necessarily put that all on him, but why are we doing this repeatedly with our star players? I understand for a team like the Reds that you mentioned or the Rays to where, you know, you get this great talent and eventually you just have to say goodbye because you don't have the funds to pay them. We're the Boston Red Sox, you know, outside of you guys and the Dodgers, we're the third richest team in baseball. So we should, we have the funds to pay these guys. We have the ability to do it. Why aren't we? And that's what pisses me off. So I think we, I need to, I think we finally need to up the ante with these guys and, you know, eventually, you know, lock Bogarts down long-term. Yeah. And there's plenty of that going on here with the Yankees as well. Oh my God. I mean, what the hell is going on with judge? <laughs> it's a, it's a tough situation. I mean, it's gotta be ownership. I mean, they, it, it's not George Steinbrenner running the team. No. If he was running the team, we'd have Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Aaron judge extended years ago. We would have had yeah. a, we would have every star in the book. Now, would the chemistry be great? I don't know, but <laughs> but no, we'd have the stars. That's not, that's not a question. No, the chemistry would not be great. The would not be great. <laughs> yeah. So we, I, who knows how that would go? But hey, it's 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 a it's a tough spot, and I hate to have to wait till free agency to see about Judge, and he, he's betting on himself. If he has a good year, healthy year. And we'll see what happens in the offseason. But it's it's tiring when you have to wait through a whole year. Then you got to hear about, oh, where's he going to go? What's going to happen? I'd rather just have him locked up. But, you know, he obviously wants more money. And he wants more than, I believe, around the money that Trout had a few years yeah. ago. But, of course, the the what players are being paid now also went up. Because yeah. of the way that, you know, the MLB is making money and whatnot. So, we'll see. I do think he'll remain here, of course. But... I mean, you still have to get the deal done. So yeah, anything could happen. You do, you, you know, you do it. You do eventually need, need to put pen to paper. Uh, I mean, before we finally, uh, you know, get into stuff with the Yankees, though, uh, you know, going back to the Bogarts deal, 
there was something that, uh, you know, I believe it was Tony Maserati on Boston Sports Radio had mentioned, and it was the idea that the Red Sox could basically kind of lowball all the players that on the roster and but just shift their positions. And the idea would be to take Bogarts and tell him, all right, story's going to go, story's going to move to shortstop. And we basically like we signed Trevor Story for second base money, but he's going to go over and play shortstop next year. We we're going to sign you for third baseman money and you're going to go back and play third base. And we're going to take Rafael Devers, who basically, you know, is, uh, is amazing offensively defensively can kind of be a bit of a liability and we're going to make him a DH and we're going to pay him DH money and we're going to let JD walk. And that's mm-hmm. the idea of that. That was something that he proposed. That's an idea that I think the Red Sox would heavily, I think, go after because I think, you know, they're all about, you know, analytically, you know, they're going to look at pitchers that aren't going to be putting the ball on the ground as much. So the defense isn't going to necessarily matter as, you know, anyways, Bogarts is fine defending at third base. He did it his rookie year and was great over there anyways. I mean, he was filling in for Will Middlebrook, so it was nothing really too crazy, but he did a good job over there. So I think he could be just fine there. He doesn't need to be a defensive showstopper, but just to be enough to get the ball across the field, uh, you put you put story back at short, which is a great deal. And then you wait for Meyer in a couple of years when he comes up and then, you know, across the infield, it would go Bogart's story, Mayer, and then Tristan Casas at first, which in my opinion, looks like a great infield. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that as a Red Sox fan, mm-hmm. as a Yankee fan. I mean, that's a pretty solid infield right there. Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always different shifting and different methodologies that you could use planning out your team years ahead. But I mean, it's, it's tough when you're, when you lose guys and you then have to find replacements for them. And then you have a core that you want to keep and find ways to win with. We'll see what happens, but I mean, I, I, I believe they have the tools in place with a lot of the players. They just have to see if they have the funds to extend them. And, and if they're going to let anybody go and walk in order to save room for the other ones. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if anyone's going to walk, it would definitely be JD. I mean, he just finally he opted into the final year of that deal, I believe that right. he's been with the Red Sox. So I think it makes the most sense for him to probably walk. I mean, there's going to be there's a whole new market of, of you know, teams needing a DH now. So uh, with the NLDH now being a thing. Uh, I think that he could, I think that he'll get paid handsomely in other locations. So I think that it's likely that the Red Sox would probably just say goodbye to him. Uh, But, you know, which I'm not the biggest fan of anyways. I mean, I love what JD does for us, but I think that, you know, as they move forward, that's probably the bridge that they would cross. I mean, that just makes the most sense logically. Uh, You know, I think that, you know, they like story at second for the year because, uh, it gives him a chance to rest his arm. I know he was having some elbow issues over in right. Colorado. So, uh, you know, kind of like let him rest up, almost kind of treat it as a playing rehab to where he can just go over there and, you know, do his thing, but he doesn't necessarily have to worry about injuring himself. Uh, I could see him, I, I could see that possibility being a, you know, a real, uh, you know, a, you know, something really, uh, you know, capable of happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I like what the Red Sox have going on right now. Obviously it's, they're in a tough division. They're they're in a division with the Yankees and the Blue Jays and and these teams who are really solid. Obviously, coming off of a nice year last year as well. But I mean, as far as the pitching staff goes, do you think they have the right pieces in place, or that's, do you think they need to? That's where I'm worried. So the pitching staff is get all, to work with that. Yeah, the pitching staff is is kind of the big deal with me. the The offense yeah. I think is fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't like Jackie Bradley Jr. in that offense because I mean he's the worst hitter in baseball. But I think outside of that, you know, we're in you know relatively decent shape. I mean, you can always improve, you know, on you know on on the offensive side of the ball. But pitching, I think, is kind of where we're is definitely where we're going to struggle. Evaldi, 
I, I love him. I mean, he's great. I don't know if, you know, he's ace material. I, you know, Chris Sale, you know, the man is made out of glass at this point. I mean, he, you know, you, you see him on the mound and you end up saying, oh yeah, he's skinny. But then you see like a picture of him from the side and you go, oh my God, he's like so thin. And, you know, you see that you, you hear him like, oh, he like broke his ribs. And I'm like, yeah, because he has no meat on his bones. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if Chris Sale can finally just eat a burger and, you know, actually, you know, put some muscle on him, maybe these injuries won't be happening and maybe we can have our ace back. Uh, Michael Waka. I, I don't know how I feel about him. He had a good start recently. I mean, I went like five innings, had five Ks, you know, nothing spectacular, but better than I thought he was going to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have the pieces there. The bullpen has always been a mess. And Alex Cora even admitted that, uh, you know, in his exit interview from spring training, he ended up saying that, uh, you know, the bullpen is going to be really where we're going to be tested because, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're on the shortened spring because of the MLB lockout. So we don't necessarily know how all these guys are going to play. Uh, Pitching is definitely a worry of mine. Um, so I don't know how that's going to really pan out for the Red Sox, but uh, you know, it's, it's always been a, it's always been a struggle with, with, with Boston over these past couple of years, you know, we've had some, you know, great starters, but the bullpen is usually where we think where things fall, fall apart for us. Yeah. Well, you're welcome for Garrett Whitlock. Yeah. No, you enjoy him. Amazing, amazing pickup. Thank you so much. He has been, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, if you want to talk about one, one, one star out of that bullpen, he has been magnificent for us. Oh yeah, I know. I, I've you got to love when Cora puts him in against the Yankees every time. Oh, I mean, it's it's every time. It, it's yeah. literally like uh, it, it's just completely. It's like it's out of a book. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, to to kind of getting kind of getting into the Yankees and their pitching, though. Obviously, uh, we talked. We just talked about a former Yankee pitcher and Garrett Whitlock. Uh, you know, cu- currently with the Yankees, uh, you know, there's you know your your guys' star your guys' star pitcher Garrett Cole. You know, the three hundred million dollar man himself. Uh, just had his worst start of his career against the Tigers the other day. He uh, he went one in he went one two thirds innings. Uh, you know, only you know he gave up two runs. He had three Ks but five walks. Uh, his ERA right now sits at six at six thirty five. Uh, you know what is going on with him right now? He's had a you know kind of a you know not the greatest start to the season so far. What is happening with Garrett Cole? You know, I wonder if it does stem back to the whole spider tax situation and if he's the same pitcher without it and how much he was using that when he was with the Astros and and how because the Yankees ended up signing him after the performances he had with the Astros and being able to compete in the playoffs then coming here obviously doing well but then the whole sticky stuff situation coming to light and then after that being a solid pitcher but not as good as we thought well, I mean, he kind of, I mean, after that, he kind of went back to being like Pittsburgh Garrett Cole to where, mm-hmm. you know, more, more ground ball centric was, uh, you know, had to, had to pitch a little bit more. He actually, you know, he couldn't just blow it by you and like, right. not have to worry about it. Like he actually had to be a pitcher and like, you know, have to, you know, work in certain situations. So, uh, I mean, I, I think, I think spider attack plays an effect on it, but I mean, he's had a whole off season to kind of adjust right. and I think get back to things. I'd like to think that, you know, you know, spider attack, you know, definitely would help him in these situations. But at the same time, I mean, the weather in the game against the Tigers last Tuesday was atrocious. I mean, the other pit, the pitcher for the Tigers, I mean, well, he was no, well, I don't believe he's any stud, you know, he only went an inning himself. I mean, it was a tough game to pitch in. So uh, from what I've seen with Garrett Cole, his stats in the earlier months just aren't great anyways. I mean, you know, the summertime is usually when he picks things up, but you know, that kind of, you know, so I think that, you know, we can definitely expect Garrett Cole to pick things up as we, as the season moves forward. Also, we're literally, you know, what was that like his second, third start possibly of the season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's still, you know, adjusting things too. So, 
I, I think that Garrett Cole definitely will pick things up. But the issue with this being a weather time thing to where, okay, yeah, he can dominate in July and be awesome then. When we get to October, though, the weather starts to, you know, look a bit more like this April weather again, where it's cold, it's frigid, you might have like some rain spitting here and there, and it's going to be kind of those miserable nights. How do you feel as a Yankee fan as we kind of get into those months and have to deal with that? I don't know. I, I, really, I don't know, because we saw what happened in the postseason last year, in the wild card game, and that obviously apparently stemmed from him having a hamstring injury, a little tweak. Mm. No, I, I rather I prefer to have Seve in that situation. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know who to trust anymore. Honestly, if if the season ended today and we had a postseason game, like do or die, wild card, Cortez would be my guy. I don't care. Put Cortez out there. I don't care. He's making seven hundred fifty thousand, and you're not <laughs> going to start the guy who's a three hundred million dollar guy. I don't care. He's producing. I mean, it's just that's just how it works. And I mean, with Garrett specifically, I mean, I watched that game the other day, and it was a miserable day. I'm not trying to make excuses at all because I think you need to pitch in the cold and order that caliber, making that much money in the big leagues. And I watched the game and, and yeah, it was really, really tough. It was an hour and a half for the first two and a half innings. It was, it was crazy. And then their pitcher came out early. And then the next pitcher who came in for the Tigers, his fingernail fell off. He had to come out <laughs> through like six pitches. Yeah, it, it was tough. It was really tough. But the thing with Garrett, see, the first inning, he pitched, what, one and two-thirds, something like that? Yeah. The first inning, struck out the side. Looked good. There was a, like a half-hour the Yankees hitting and, and, the, and their pitcher not getting the job done and, and using all these guys. He then came out and wasn't the same pitcher. Then he started walking a bunch. It probably like threw him off a little bit, and he couldn't work out of it. So... It's, well, it's interesting. Well, I wonder if that had played. Well, I mean, that's something you see a lot with pitchers, you know, coming yeah. out of, you know, whether it's like rain delays or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, usually there's like, there's like a certain time period that managers will basically say, all right, after that, you're out of the game. It's like, you know, usually if there's like a rain delay or something like that, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, a lot of the times the managers will just, you know, say to the starter, Hey, you're cold at this point, you know, unless you really want, unless we're going to, unless you're going down the tunnel and getting warm or you've been like yeah. stuff in between innings, we're probably going to go to the other guy. We need to save you. So I, I don't know if, I don't know if they would have done something like that with Garrett, but uh, you know, when you have like that kind of time off in, in between the innings, it can, you know, I think mess with a lot of guys, but I think with Garrett Cole going into the postseason, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, the cold will definitely play an effect on him, but at the same time, uh, after you come off an entire season and you're pitching like that, you have the time as the weather starts to gradually go down and you get, and you kind of get to adjust to things as it, as the weather starts to slightly get worse. Yeah. You have some, you have some really bad weather games here and there, but it's, you kind of, you gradually adjust to the temperature as it happens at the start of the season, when you're just thrown out into the cold as a pitcher, you really don't know what to do, especially uh, especially when you're coming from, you know, Florida, you're coming from spring training where it's in the 80s every day and it's perfect weather. You know, when you go to Detroit and it's like, I don't know what the t- I don't know what the game time temperature was there, but probably like 40, 50 degrees or something like that. Uh, you know, like that that's going to be tough to adjust to even pitching in New York right now. It's not the greatest temperature right now. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, when you get that gradual adjustment of coming from July where it's where it's not where it's 90 and then it's 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, you know, you kind of get to gear up and get ready for that. And I think with Garrett, he'll probably be able to do that. But I mean, it, it does beg the question, you know, you know, at, 
you know, what was the hamstring injury kind of what caused him to be off in that wild card game? Or was it the fact that we held up a Kermit the Frog doll to him when he was warming up in the bullpen? I still don't even understand what that meant. I don't either. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't think anyone understands it. Yeah. No one understands what the Kermit the Frog doll was. I think they just did it because it was funny. And yeah, I, I can understand with Patrick Mahomes because he because people say he looks like Kermit. But like, uh, I don't know why they did it with Garrett Cole. I'm so confused as to why they did it with him. I mean, just the all time funny clip, though, is when is when he's thrown in and the guy just goes, that's a ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought there was some meaning behind it, some great meaning, and no, there's no meaning behind nothing. it. Nothing. They just did it because it's a joke. Oh no, they just did it probably in the hopes that Garrett would turn around, just like see the Kermit doll, and just like be like wigged out by it. I think that's yeah. Like, no, Fenway Fenway fans will literally just do random stuff to piss ruthless. Off. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, like Boston during postseason. I mean, obviously New York is definitely is definitely similar, but. I Boston kind of with New York, like you have like that big city kind of mentality to where it's like, Oh, like, you know, where, you know, we're the Kings of the world. We're going in with this with Boston. Well, obviously they're a big city. They kind of like take that small town approach. And I think like right. you, you get kind of like that, like small town cross town rival rivalry to where, Oh, you know, like, you know, the Boston Red Sox are kind of like, you know, those like, you know, like those small town kids. And then they have to go like face, like, face those, like those big kids from the inner city in the New York Yankees. So there's almost a kind, of, kind of like that, like, you know, like that underdog mentality that the city always has when they're facing these teams, even when you have historic teams like the Red Sox or the Celtics, like you always kind of have that feeling of having to, you know, battle back. And I think that's always something that, you know, is what makes Boston fans so ruthless is that they just always feel like they are under attack and they always, so that that's why they just have that cutthroat mentality. <laughs> Yeah, no, Boston fans are something else. I gotta say. I mean, New York fans are just wild. I mean, they'll like, yeah, they'll they'll. I mean, they'll they'll cut your. I mean, they'll they'll like do crazy stuff to you too. But like, uh, yeah, they're both I mean, wild in their own way. But yeah, I mean, I I, I try to keep myself. I'm right. In the middle. I yeah, talk I mean, to anybody. I mean, side. I mean, you seem tolerable. Like you don't seem like you're going to no. like, you don't seem like you're going to rip anyone's head off. I mean, no. you're, you're a passionate fan. I can't blame you for that. I mean, yeah. same, same thing here. I mean, I try to, I try to remain relatively calm. I don't try to uh, engage in any physical altercations, uh, just no. you know, depending on, uh, you know, e- even when placed in certain circumstances, I don't like to be put in those situations, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, obviously, you know, very interesting situation go- going on with Garrett Cole. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things transpire as the season moves forward. Uh, but Billy, before we do go, though, uh, one thing that I really want to discuss with you, uh, you know, also involving the Yankees was an occurrence that happened yesterday during the Yankees Tigers game, uh, the finale of the series. Uh, and it was with the Yankees facing, uh, uh, you know, it was the, I believe, you know, bottom of the eighth inning Tigers are up. Uh, one nothing, and there's two outs. And Miguel Cabrera, one hit shy of three thousand, is walking to the plate. And Aaron Boone in the dugout just holds up the four fingers and intentionally walks him uh, in his last at bat of the game. Now, the Tigers fans immediately ripped into the Yankees for this and just completely just you know let them have it. And I mean, if I was a Tigers fan in that situation, and you, and you see a guy who's literally about to make history just get intentionally walked. I would have been livid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I just talked to my friend about this earlier today, and I see zero problem with walking him in that situation. It, it made sense. Obviously, the ultimate result didn't matter because the lefty-lefty matchup that came after that scored runs. He yeah, got a hit. Austin, Austin Meadows. And- Austin Meadows drove in two runs the, the very next at, at bat, and which in my mind I was like – didn't yeah. matter. Was so like, everyone like, loves these lefty-lefty matchups. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, but here's the thing though, this, this, I mean, Miguel Cabrera is still an incredibly good player, but this isn't him from like 2012 to where he won the triple crown. Like, yeah. like he's an incredible player, but he's like, not like that guy at this point in time, I can understand doing stuff based on the matchup, but like, I mean, you had these guys. I mean, I don't know how much people are really paying for Tigers tickets nowadays. I mean, I don't think it's like what we what we pay for Red Sox or Yankees tickets. But I mean, these people these people paid to go see Miguel Cabrera get that get that milestone. It just got robbed from them. Yeah, I mean, well, I would have been mad too if I went to see Gene doesn't hit and he got walked too, and that was it because I had a ticket. You know, ticket be a little bit more valuable and oh, yeah. it'd be fun to see it in person. But hey, it's part of the game. You know, he had so many other chances. Uh, in his career to have another hit in a game. And that could have been his 3000 against the Yankees, but no, it didn't happen. So I'll have to get against the Rockies tonight. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Rockies of all the Rockies, teams. baby. Yeah. What, what's, what's so historic about the Rockies? I'm sorry. Like, I don't know getting against the Yankees. There would have been like, okay, like, you know, we, we could play this on, we could play this during your hall of, during your hall of fame thing. And, you know, it'll be known like, like people across the globe will know who will know who the Yankees are. You know, I, I can probably go to people on this campus that I'm on right now and, and be like, who are the Colorado Rockies? And they'd go, I don't know, like a hockey team or something. Yeah. <laughs> they they right. have no idea who I'm talking about. The best thing, though, is that they are home and that he'll be able to do that, it in front that, of their that's, home crowd. That, that's the thing, too, because I looked at the schedule and I I, I, I was like, if they have a, if they go on the road after this, oh. I, I think Tiger fans, they, there would have been a there would have been like a picket outside Yankee Stadium for that, because at least he has a shot to do it in like the next. At least he does have a home game coming up to where he has actually a chance to. You know, right. He'll get it done. He'll get yeah. it done. That, that, that's the thing. So if, if they had gone on the road after that, I think this would have made that situation a whole lot worse. But thank God that didn't actually happen. Yeah, no, that would have been even worse. And, you know, it is what it is. You want it to be against the Yankees if you're a Tigers fan or any baseball fan, probably. But it's just it's how baseball works sometimes. And it is what it is. No, 100 percent. I, I mean, I understand situations, but uh, it, I, I, I would have been heated in that situation if I was a Tigers fan. I would have been just so pissed. I would have been like, yeah. got to be joking. I mean, listen, Austin Meadows, like can't can't argue with a great single like that. But I mean, uh uh, I mean, hell, I mean, like, but I don't know. It, it's it's just absolute craziness. But yeah. uh, Billy, but you know, before one thing that I, uh, you know, didn't include on the script before we do go was uh, it was a new segment that I saw uh, kind of the other day, and it was uh, revolving the re revolving around the Nationals game, and it was basically that the Nationals had the U the U.S. Army uh, Golden Knights parachute into the game, and as a result of that the U.S. Capitol building got evacuated for a mysterious aircraft flying over Washington, D.C., because apparently they just weren't notified. And oh. the entire Capitol building was evacuated because they saw the because they saw the army paratroopers as a potential threat. Now, I don't know how to feel about this, because one, is it bad that is it bad that the U.S. is it bad that the U.S. government had no idea that there was going to be a flyover happening? Yes. Two. Is it is it good that you know is it good that the U.S. Army is secret enough to scare the crap out of our own government? Yeah, it's pretty solid. I mean, yeah. I don't know if if they're if they're scaring out if they're scaring the crap out of out of the out of the United States. I mean, I hope they're scaring the crap out of everyone else around the globe. Yeah, I didn't even hear about that. So that's news to me. That's oh pretty ironic. I mean, it's that's wild. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, the parachuting went fine. Like they parachuted in the game, but like there was yeah. like a temporary like evacuation of the U.S. Capitol. Wow, it was bad. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it kind of it, it kind of like got swept under the rug like fairly quickly. I mean, it was kind of like something that 
I don't, I don't think it was like a full scale, like, you know, bunker, like evacuation, but I think it was like, I think they may have like started the process. Right. It was probably like a fire drill. It was like, Hey, get out of the building. Like we're gonna, you know, just like, just, just for format and just for, you know, t- for professional sakes, let's right. get out the building. And then they realized, Oh, these are, it's a flyover event. So like, we're fine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Hey, the military is top notch. Oh, they, yeah. they have, they have their stuff together. Yeah. I mean, whether we're Yankees or Red Sox fans, it doesn't matter. Uh, Team USA all the way, baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's all that matters. But, uh, you know, Billy, it's been great having you on the show today. I really do thank you for, for jumping on once again. But unfortunately, man, we are now down to the wire, which means that we're going to wrap up what we talked about in this episode today and send you guys on your way into the weekend. Obviously, we welcomed in Billy Pinckney once again to the show to, to discuss some of the latest MLB news. Uh, we started things off by talking about the latest on MLB's introduction of Pitchcom and uh, all that that's kind of, uh, you know, come about with that. We talked about, you know, how that's going to affect, you know, the catcher position in, in uh, you know, the coming years and how, uh, you know, robot umpires could, you know, further uh, change the implementation of technology within the game of baseball. After that, we talked about MLB uh, at officially adding advertisements to their jerseys uh, come the 2023 season. Uh, Billy and I have, uh, you know, while we, while we may not agree on much as uh, Red Sox and Yankees fans, we can definitely agree that we are not fans of this. Uh, and then uh, in, you know, in talking about the Red Sox and Yankees, we talked about how Trevor Story's slow start to the season may have, may impact the Red Sox decision on Xander Bogarts. Uh, we talked about some potential decisions that the Red Sox and, and uh, the Red Sox could do to, uh, you know, fit Bogarts back into the picture. And we wrapped things up by talking about the future of Garrett Cole and what is going on with him right now. Uh, he's obviously had his worst start of his career uh, last Tuesday against the Detroit Tigers, only pitching one in two thirds innings. Currently has an ERA of 6.35. Uh, going to figure out what's going on with him. And then we ended things off talking about the Yankees robbing Miguel Cabrera of an opportunity for his 3000 hit by intentionally walking him in his final at bat of the game. Uh, then quickly, we you know talked about the U.S. Capitol getting evacuated due to uh, a Nationals flyover event. So, uh, you know, obviously, Billy had a great time talking about some things today. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, man. I appreciate it. Great time as always. And thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do go, uh, is there anything is there any social media or anything of your own that you'd like to shout out before we uh, close this thing out? Yeah, I mean, Billy the Bat Boy on social media on all platforms. And I have uh, all of my content there, all the different segments and and stuff that I post. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate mean, it. I, you know, I, I appreciate you come, come for appreciate you for coming on, man. Uh, and if you're not following down to the wire at this point, what are you guys doing? We are available everywhere. You guys can stream podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. We also have a YouTube channel where you can watch the live video feed of this as well. And, uh, you know, we are very active on social media. You can find all the links to those streaming platforms and YouTube in our bio on our Instagram. You can follow that at down dot to the wire on Instagram again at down dot to the wire on Instagram. We also like to live stream the show on the radio uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays from 7 to 8 p.m. Obviously, this one was done in podcast form, but uh, for those live shows, you can tune into WJMF 88.7 HD2 Smithville, Providence, or tune in at WJMFradio.com. Uh, once again, from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Billy Pinckney. Have a great day. Take care and peace out. WJMF Radio.